0: church well here we are and i must confess that it is a very strange and interesting times in which we are living but not not unexpected because we know the word of god we read the bible and if the truth be told what is coming and what is ahead is going to get much worse than anything that we are seeing around us at this point in time so But nevertheless, it's great that we can still, in these circumstances, have such a platform. And I'd like to say hello to everyone that is on Zoom that I've uh, observed uh, uh, through the worship. And I also know that there are many that are on Facebook. And as Sean has pointed out, there are those um, in various nations as well that are tuning into this uh, broadcast. And so we welcome you all, and I want to share the word of God. I want to bring to you the word of God, a word in season that will address um, two issues. One, that relates to the Christian and two, that relates to the world in which we live because these are interesting times and they tie into the signs in which the Bible clearly talks about in these last days before the second coming of uh, Jesus Christ and also uh, that which relates to the, the great tribulation that is to come. But first and foremost, before we do go into the word of God, I do want to uh, make the point first and foremost, as Sean already has, that we as Christians, we have hope. We're not taken by surprise. We're not in fear. And I spoke about that a few weeks ago. And that's on the, um, I believe, on the church's website. But we, we're not moved by these things in the way in which the world is to be. We have Uh, a living hope we have a blessed hope that we await and our hope is not in hope our hope is in jesus christ himself and so we know the scriptures we have this bible and we have with us that which relates to the beginning and the end and so and so we have the beginning and the end it's all written time itself is all being foretold through the scriptures, and we know what it says in the end. And you know what it says? We win. Amen. We win, and that's the end. And so we thank God for that. But we also realize that we're living in this world, and we're living through a time and through times that have been foretold in the Bible. As I have already mentioned, the Bible speaks so explicitly through prophecy, and there are thousands of prophecies within the Bible that talk about the times in which we live. There are prophecies that have already been fulfilled. There are prophecies that are being fulfilled. And there are prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled. And so, uh, as I mentioned earlier, there's, uh, there are things that are to come that are going to be on a scale that is far, far worse than that which is, we are experiencing at this time. As we looked at, the Bible says that men's hearts will fail them from fear. And so we see fear now that is crippling and the irrational fears that are coming upon this generation. But when we see the scriptures, we realize that there is so much more that is to come. Now, in light of that, I just want to uh, begin by um, just sharing with you. I've been obviously reading the newspaper and the media and all that is going on around us. And it was last week that I found an article. And uh, this particular journalist who was writing uh, titled that article and said um, uh, the problem, talking about the coronavirus, um, I think it was a she, but um, they said the problem is, is that we are not scared enough. And so she was making the point that obviously we see people around us who are not adhering to the regulations of social distancing and not venturing out and so forth. And so people are not adhering to the instructions of government. And, um, and so she was making the point that the problem with the world and the problem with people is that they're not scared enough of the coronavirus to take the actions that's necessary. Now, that, there's a truth to that in a sense as it relates to the world, but not to the Christian. But nevertheless, we can take this as an example. And it's an example that teaches us uh, something uh, that I want to reveal from a biblical perspective, because as I look at the world through the eyes of Scripture, as I look at the world through the, through the Word of God, I begin to see exactly the same problem. The problem is with the world that we're living is is they're not scared enough. They're not scared enough of that which is going to come upon the earth. They're not scared enough in terms of, of that which the Bible clearly tells us is to come. And so the problem is simply that people, um, and uh, it's one thing to be scared of the coronavirus, but really what the real issue is this morning is that people need to have a fear of God because the Bible is clear when it says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. And so it's the fear of God that is paramount in the times in which we live. But yet it's the fear of God that is so absent from the world that is around us. And that's a problem. You know, just to illustrate this further, um, I know that there was, uh, there's that theme song that's been going around on, online in relation to um, uh, the coronavirus. And so those from Hollywood were singing uh, that song by, um, I've forgotten his name anyway, from the Beatles, but it's called Imagine. And so, in uh, this particular song was being set up as a theme song for people to sing. And even just the other day, there were two particular doctors or surgeons in America, and obviously they're working uh, over time in dealing with the situation of the coronavirus. And so they took some time out and got on a piano, and um, they began to play and sing "Imagine." And this went online and viral throughout social media, and uh, people are really locking onto it as a theme song during this time but really when you look at the song it's 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 concerning because what it is it has no fear of god this song imagine if you are familiar with it but some of the lyrics they go like this imagine there's no heaven it isn't hard to do no hell below us and no religion too imagine all the people or imagine all the people living for today. And so when you think of those words and you ponder them for a moment, this is the theme song of, of, of the world in which we're living in, that in a time when the fear of God should be paramount, they're singing, imagine there's no heaven. It isn't hard to do. Imagine there's no hell below us and no religion. And so this gives us an insight into the reality of the hearts of men. And uh, it is important to see and identify these things because what the world needs, what people need, even Christians, we need to live by this rule and principle. It's the fear of God. It's, an irre- it's a reverence and an awe of God. And for the world, it needs to be a fear that uh, it causes them to stop and to listen and to hear the word of God and what it says. And so, what I want to do this this morning is share a message that reiterates to us as Christians the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. But I also want to speak in a manner that for those that may be listening or you know someone out there that you could share this with in the future, we may hopefully, through the Spirit of God, put the fear of God into the hearts of all men. Because it was John the Baptist. When he came out preaching and uh, as the forerunner of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that his uh, message, part of his message was these words. He said, flee from the wrath to come. In other words, he was uh, declaring, run for your life. Flee, run from the wrath of God that is coming. And that message still rings true today even more Than ever. But you see, John the Baptist said, Flee from the wrath to come. So the question is well, where are we to flee? Where are we to run? And so, as we will see, we are to run to Jesus. And for many of us that are listening, we have already run to Jesus. And that's where we have been saved. That's where we are safe in Jesus Christ. Now, I assume everyone has their Bibles, and so we're going to be looking at some scriptures as we go through this and reading. So I want you to follow them if you can. And let's turn to John chapter 3 and verse 36 is the scripture that we're going to look at. John chapter 3, verse 36. This is John writing the apostle, and he says these words. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. Now just think about that for a moment. Let's just read it again. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides upon him you see this scripture in and of itself is crystal clear and uh, we are those who have believed we are those that have inherited eternal life we are those that are saved but you see to those that are not the bible says that they shall not even see life that is eternal life and that the wrath of God abides upon them. That is the judgment of God, a fearful expectation of the judgment that is to come. It abides upon them. The word here, abide, means to remain. It dwells. It rests. It hovers over. And this is a picture of the wrath of God that is upon those who do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved. It is a settled condition. And one that will be revealed, one that is being revealed, one that has been revealed, as we'll see in the scripture, and one that will ultimately be revealed uh, in the coming tribulation period that is ahead. Now, some would say, well, look, isn't God love? Absolutely. God is love. In actual fact, if you go back and look at verse 16 of chapter 3 in the gospel of John, we have the well-known scripture where it says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so clearly the emphasis is the love of God. Clearly it's all about God coming to save us from his wrath. But the reality of his wrath is evident. And if you look at verse 17, it makes it quite clear. Of chapter three, it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Now, think about that. See, the world is already under condemnation. The world is already abiding under the wrath of God. And Jesus Christ didn't come into the world to condemn the world. Jesus Christ didn't come in to pour out the wrath of God. But rather, Jesus Christ came to save. Jesus Christ, as as a result of God's love for all the world, came to save us because of the condemnation that we are already under. And so this is important for us to understand when it comes to the nature of God and the, these, these attributes of God that relates to love and that which relates to his wrath. And so let's think for a moment about the wrath of God. I just want to focus on this for a bit. And so having said that the, the wrath of God abides upon the individual who does not believe in Jesus Christ is a serious reality, because this goes for so many in in the world in which we live in. But you see, again, the Bible is clear in Romans chapter one, verse 18, the scripture clearly says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Now, you can read on from that in the verses all the way to chapter 2 in your own time. But if you read that, you begin to see the way in which the wrath of God is revealed now. This is not something that is to come. This is a manifestation of God's wrath now upon humanity because they have suppressed the truth. They have, they have uh, um, rejected the truth. And in their rebellion and in their sin and in the, their disobedience, God's wrath has come upon the world in which we live. And it is the, the righteous judgment of God is manifest uh, in the world around us as it relates to, to, we see idolatry, and some of the ultimate manifestations of God's judgment upon the world is actually manifest, listen to this, in sexual the, the sexual immorality of men and the the sexual perversion of the world in which we live. And we don't have to look far today to see this level of sexual perversion that is going on within the world in which we live in. And I'm not going to go into the details of that. I'm sure you're aware of what I'm talking about, but I'm just making the point that the wrath of God has been revealed against heaven, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth. And so when you read chapter one of Romans, it was written uh, uh, 2000 years ago in relation to the times in which that were related then in Rome and the world around it. And nevertheless, if you were to read that, you would think that it is speaking exactly to the world in which we live now. And it is. And it relates to the times in which we live. And so the wrath of God is revealed already. That's the point that I'm trying to make. It abides, and John tells us, it abides upon the world. And it is already being revealed in various ways as a result of men's continued rebellion, sin, and disobedience to God. Now, I want to look at two aspects of God's wrath that will ultimately come upon the sinner and upon the world in which we live. There are two aspects that we see in the scripture or two prominent aspects. And that is one, the, the judgment that is to come. And two, there is the great tribulation that is to come. When I talk about the judgment, I talk about, as the Bible says, it is appointed for a man to die once. And then comes the judgment in which every individual will stand before God. But I want to just, again, build this idea of God's wrath upon humanity and the judgment. So, again, if you can, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 2. And I want to look at verse 2 in the scripture. Romans chapter 2, verse 5, sorry. Now, listen to here what the Bible says. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and who do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Now think about that. Paul is writing here and he says, because of your stubbornness, because of your refusal to turn from your sin and your, your continued disobedience to, to God and his word, he says you are storing up, he uses the word treasure, you're storing up God's wrath for yourself in the day of God's wrath when it will be revealed. And so when you begin to, uh, that word wrath speaks of God's anger. For a day of anger is coming where God's righteous judgment will be manifested in such a way that it will judge each of us. And in this case, uh, we're talking here about the sinner who does not know God, It will judge him and ultimately being under condemnation and already abiding under God's wrath. They will receive the punishment due to to them and ultimately, which is eternal punishment. The Bible talks about it clearly, eternal darkness as we know it, hell. And this is all associated with God's wrath when it will be revealed. And so, uh, so we see that people in the world are treasuring up. They are storing up for themselves wrath that will be revealed in the day of wrath that is to come. And so again, we're seeing this concept of god's wrath in the scriptures but then i said also that it relates to the uh, the great tribulation that is to come and the wrath of god that will ultimately be poured out on a world that has rejected him and so again the book of the revelation in the bible the last book of the bible speaks clearly and explicitly about these things as do many parts of the scripture in the old and new Testaments. But as you read the book of the revelation, especially you begin to get a understanding of the wrath of God that is coming. This is, these are relate to the things that are to come. And so when you begin to read this, I remember when I read the book of the revelation for the first time, it does strike your heart with fear because you begin to realize the seriousness and the severity of those things that are to come. And so, you know, um, uh, imagine if people understood what was to come upon the earth. And so, again, uh, let me just quote a few scriptures in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verse 17. The Bible says, For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? This is talking about a future time in, that is to come, relating to God's judgment and his wrath, and His day, the day of wrath. In Revelation chapter 14, verse 10, the Bible says he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out in full strength into the cup of his indignation. And so again, we're getting a clear picture that this time that is coming, there is a period that is to come. As John the Baptist has said, flee from the wrath to come. There is the wrath of God that, is, that abides. There's the wrath of God that is revealed. And there is the wrath of God that is going to become manifest in the days that are ahead. And let me quote one more scripture from the book of Revelation, chapter 16, verse 16. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. And so again, these thoughts, these scriptures, they are clear and they need to be heard and understood by all men. And so when you think about this, we can look at the world and as I said in the opening um, illustration about that article that was written, in which the, uh, the, the writer said the problem concerning the coronavirus is that men are not scared enough. But you see, that may relate to the world, not the Christian. But the principle, when taken to the Bible, uh, is clear. The problem with the world is that it's not scared enough in relation to that which is to come and the wrath of God that will come upon the earth. And so man needs to fear God. And so now we can begin to see why John the Baptist would use such words, flee from the wrath to come. And our message to the world around us is to flee from the wrath to come. We are to speak of a time in which God will judge the world in righteousness because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. And so, in light of all of this, let us uh, make a declaration as the Bible clearly says that for those who do not believe in the Son, the wrath of God. Abides upon them. But, and I say a big but this morning, because we that have tuned in for the most part, we are those that have, uh, have come to understand the grace of God. We are those that have come to understand the true message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are those that have run to Jesus in order to be saved. And so, the question that, uh, that needs to be answered is uh, for the world is well, where are they to run to? Uh, you know, in the coronavirus, men are being told to run to their houses. We all have to be run home and lock yourself up in the room, and uh, there you go. But you know what? When it comes to the Bible, when it comes to this issue of God's wrath, when it comes to this issue of sin, where are we to run? Well, the Bible's clear we run to Jesus. That's the answer because Jesus is the one who can save. Jesus is the one who makes us safe. Jesus is the one who delivers us from the wrath that is to come. And these are some of the things that I want to consider with you as we go forward in this second section here. We are to run to Jesus. There we can be safe. There we are saved. Now you can turn to the book of Hebrews. In chapter 6, and I want to read to you a scripture here in verse 18. And there are many aspects, actually, that we could consider. But I just want to highlight and make a point of what the scripture is pointing to here. But you see, we as Christians, we have already run to Jesus. We have already come to him. So listen to the words in Hebrews 6, verse 18. Now, it says that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Now, listen to that. Now, there's a context to this, and I don't want to go into that. I just want to highlight the fact that the scripture says that we have strong consolation in other words we have a strong assurance uh, of the reality of god and his promises and that which has been revealed in his word and the scripture says that we have we are those that have fled for refuge in other words we have run to jesus we have realized uh, the condemnation that we were under we have realized that we were sinners uh, uh that were under the under, abiding under the wrath of god we realized that we had sinned and disobeyed and we realized that jesus christ had come and that he was given to die on the cross and on that cross jesus christ bore the wrath of god for us when you begin to understand the crucifixion, when you begin to identify with all that Jesus suffered and as he hung upon that cross and how in the middle of the day it went dark and pitch black and Jesus cried out the words, father, why have you forsaken me? You see, it was in that moment. And then he said the words, it is finished. You see, Jesus bore in himself our sin And he bore in himself the wrath of God and he was the propitiation for our sins. In other words, he appeased the wrath of God upon sin and sin was judged in the death of Christ Jesus. And therefore, Jesus was given by Christ, by God, as a sacrifice for our sins so that we could be saved and we could be safe. That's the gospel. We have fled for refuge. We run to Jesus. I remember the first time I heard the gospel and began to understand the danger that I was in. And I began to realize what Christ had done and died for me and my need to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember there came a time where I ran to Jesus and folks, he saved me as he saved you that are listening and uh, those that may not be listening. He is the answer. Jesus Christ so we have fled for refuge the bible says that we have um we have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us see we have hope like i said at the beginning our hope is not in hope you see the world just hopes that everything's going to be okay the world just hopes that it's going to be all right the world has no substance to its hope it hopes in hope, and that's not hope. Hope must be built upon uh, uh, something that is 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 of a reality, something that is solid, something that's real. And this is Jesus Christ. He is our hope. The Bible says in First Peter, it says that we have been begotten to a living hope. That living hope is Jesus who rose from the dead. And so our hope is not in a someone that's in the grave. Our hope is in a savior that has risen from the dead and is seated at the right hand of God and who's coming back. Hallelujah. To take us to himself. And so we have a living hope and the Bible refers to uh, another phrase, which is called the blessed hope that relates to his second coming when Jesus will come to rescue and to save those that are his. In other words, his church and his children. And so we have hope. And listen, look at verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 6. This hope we have as an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. And so again, it's an anchor of the soul. That's why we're not moved. That's why when uh, uh, Sean read, from James, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that these things uh, uh, produce um, patience and faith. And so we, we, we abide and we live by faith. Faith is something, again, that's based in our hope and our confidence and that which is real. And so what I would say to us this morning is that we have an anchor. We are sure we are steadfast. We are immovable in Christ. And though the winds and the storms of life batter all around us, in a sense, we are in the eye of the storm. We are, we, have, we are anchored into Christ. We are unmoved by the circumstances. And what I mean by that is I understand that there are realities associated with these trials. For some, there are people that are losing their jobs. There are many that their whole livelihoods are being lost, everything that the people the world has trusted in they have um uh you know superannuations collapsed people losing jobs and you know everything that people have built up towards is just being lost around them but in light of even what we may suffer as christians and in light of what we may be exposed to as a result of these things our, our faith is not in the things that we possess Our faith is anchored in Jesus Christ. And even if we were to have nothing and lose everything, we're still anchored in Christ and we still win. Naked we come into the world, naked we go out. And our hope is in Christ for the world that which is to come. Our faith and our hope is not in this world. Our life's but a vapor. It appears for a moment and then it's gone. And so we have this assurance. We've laid hold of the hope that is set before us which is an anchor for our soul now isn't it interesting in the bible and in the scriptures we we use the word even as christians we say oh i'm saved we're saved and it's a biblical term the bible says who in romans chapter 10 whoever calls on the name of the lord shall be saved and so it is a word that we use but let it be a word that we are very mindful in what it means because when we talk about saved, we're talking about the, the word salvation. And so we have been saved. And the question that I just want to raise and bring to our attention is, what, what are we saved from? We are saved from our sins, having been forgiven and having been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we, our sins are, are gone. But you see, we're also saved from eternal punishment. We're saved from eternal condemnation. We're saved from hell. We are saved from the wrath of God that is to come. And so it's, it's, it's as we consider these things and we understand what the good news of the gospel is, uh, it's, that's why it's good news. It's good news because when you understand the bad news, and the bad news is really bad, you begin to realize how good the good news really is. And we as Christians, we have been saved from our sins. We have been delivered from the wrath of God. And I just want to consider this again with you in the scriptures. Maybe you can turn with me to Romans chapter 5 and verse number 6. Familiar portion of scripture. But let's read it. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. It says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's a declaration of his love. Much now, listen to verse 9. Much more then, having now been justified, that is declared righteous, free from guilt by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We have been saved from wrath through him. Hallelujah. See, think about it we have fled for refuge, we have run to Jesus. We have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. We are saved. And the, one of the fundamental things that relates to our salvation is that we have no fear of judgment. Because the Bible says that we have been saved from the wrath, or through, uh, from wrath through Him, through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is our refuge. We are safe in Him, we belong to Him. And so it's in light of these things that we draw great encouragement and great hope and great joy as we consider these things. So in other words, the wrath of God does not abide upon us. It doesn't rest upon us anymore. We are in the love of God. We are saved and we belong to him. Now I want to go a little bit further than this. And I want you to turn with me if you can to uh, first, Thessalonians chapter one. First Thessalonians chapter one again this is Paul the Apostle as he writes to the church of Thessalonica and he's talking about their salvation how they had turned from idols to serve the living God so he's talking about their salvation how they were saved but he says in verse 10 And as part of that, he says, and to wait for his son from heaven. See, that's exactly what we're doing. We're waiting for his son from heaven. We are waiting. The Bible says when you see these signs, when you see all these things beginning to happen all around you, the Bible says look up for our redemption draws near. We are waiting for the the return of the blessed hope. Jesus Christ is coming back. And so like the Thessalonians, we too, the Bible says, we wait for his son and we wait patiently. We endure to the end and through whatever circumstances we may have to endure until that point. But regardless of whatever happens, we win. Now listen to this in verse 10. And we wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. It can't be more clearer. You see, our our hope, our expectation, there is assurance and absolute confidence. We are delivered from the wrath to come. In other words, that word delivered means rescued. We have been rescued. We are safe. We are sound. There's nothing to fear. And that's where we live as the Christian, as the child of God. And we're waiting for the coming of our Lord. We're waiting for the rapture in which the Lord will descend from heaven. And you can look at that uh, in more detail in uh, later in Thessalonians as Paul goes into more aspects concerning this. And he says, comfort one another with these words, because the Lord is coming. And these signs of the times that are around us are all symbolic of the birth pains, the labour pains that the world will experience as foretold in the scriptures. And at all pointing... One to the ultimate for the world, it's pointing towards the wrath of God that's coming, but for the Christian, it's it's pointing towards the um, the the hope that we have, the the deliverance that we have. For we will not be subject to the wrath of God because we have not been appointed to wrath. Actually, if you go to First Thessalonians chapter five verse nine, listen to what it says: For God did not appoint us to wrath. He hasn't appointed us to wrath. The world's appointed to wrath. Those that the wrath of God abides upon who don't believe in the Son, they are appointed to wrath. But the Christian, amen, he is not appointed to wrath. But listen, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the Scriptures can't be more real, church. And when you read this, you can't not but be excited. You can't not but rejoice in the times in which we live. Let, it, let everything around us collapse, even if it did. I know it would be a reality for us to have to process, but at the end of the day, our faith is in Christ. And we are looking to that which is to come. Our hope is not in this world. And so we realize that we are waiting for our salvation to be completed when, we, when the Bible says we will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye instantaneously we will our bodies will be transformed and we will be with the lord forever that's our hope you see getting back to this aspect of the second coming of christ for us it is a completion of our salvation but you see to the world it's a completion of the wrath of god that will come upon them and that is abiding upon them that is already manifest and will manifest further in the days that are to come. And so I think about the fact that Jesus, when he came the first time, the Bible says he came in the character of a lamb. He was the lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. And in the character of a lamb, the Bible said he opened not his mouth, but he subjected himself as a suffering servant, and he subjected himself to death, even death on the cross. And he allowed all these things to happen. The Bible says he could have called 12,000 or 12 legions of angels to come and deliver him in an instant. But he hung upon that cross and no one took his life from him. But he says, uh, into your hands, I commit my spirit. He said, it is finished. He gave his life. No one ever took it from him. And in the character of a lamb, he opened not his mouth and he suffered. And that that salvation that was purchased at Calvary 2,000 years ago is still being offered to the world today. That offer of God's grace, that offer of salvation, that mankind can run to Jesus and be saved if they will repent of their sin and begin to become a true follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. But you see, to, to those that do not, the Bible says when Christ comes again, He's coming in as the lion of the tribe of Judah. I don't know about you, but a lion, he's the king. The lion devours its enemies. A lion is the, executes his power and his strength and his dominance. And so too will Christ when he comes again, when the wrath of God is to be poured out upon the earth, Christ will come and execute these things. And so I would say to those that may be listening who are not saved, I would urge you to run to Jesus, come to Jesus, and be, uh, and be delivered from the wrath that is to come. You see, what does the Bible tell us? Again, I point to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3. The Bible says, For when they say, that is the world, when they say peace and safety, Then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. Now think about that. You see, the world before this coronavirus, the world was prospering. The world was, everyone was just marching along. The life was looking good and the horizon, it was looking better. And no one anticipated no one thought for a moment that the world could just, the economies uh, would be on the verge of collapse, that the, the, the situation would be as such where uh, we have uh, uh, thousands of people in a matter of, of, of seven to 14 days losing jobs, people, uh, whole businesses shut down, laying off of staff, um, just everything that's going on around us, the turmoil. And really, this is only a snapshot of that which is to come. And so uh, uh, the Bible says that when the time of God's wrath does arrive, the Bible says there'll be a time when they will say peace and safety. Oh, everything's okay. Imagine it's going to be their theme song. But what they don't realize, the Bible says then sudden destruction will come upon them. It will be all, it will be sudden. They won't anticipate it. They won't see it coming. Jesus said, remember the days of Noah. You know, Noah was a preacher of righteousness and he for a hundred years he built that ark and he declared that the, right, the judgment of God was coming upon the earth in the, in the great flood. And they mocked him. They laughed at him. They scorned him. Until the day that Noah entered that ark, God shut that door. And then suddenly everything changed. And that's how it will be on the day of God's wrath. And so to the world there is no hope. And any hope that they seek to manufacture is false. But to the Christian, we have a living hope. We have a blessed hope. And so I want to encourage us this morning in these things. The Bible says that they shall not escape. But the Bible says to us, we shall escape. Amen. And so that is our hope. And so I want to just leave you with this thought this morning. I want to obviously encourage us as believers and as Christians and and be strong and realize the strong consolation and encouragement that we have as Christians and be courageous, be faith filled as we go through these times and share the gospel of Jesus Christ and realize uh, that which relates to us. But as it relates to the world, again, I make this point as I already have the wrath of God is coming and the Bible says that God loves all men and desires all men to be saved we read earlier john 3:16, for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life and so christian let us continue to share the gospel in these times let us take the opportunity to declare that which is the truth that which the scriptures speak of so clearly And that uh, we pray that many would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let us close in a word of prayer. And I'm going to pray. And at the end of that prayer, uh, Sean, maybe you can take control and, um, and just bring things to a conclusion. But let us pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we are saved, that we have fled for refuge that we have such strong encouragement and consolation in the scriptures, that our faith is in Christ Jesus. Lord, we just pray that you would continue to strengthen us through your Holy Spirit, that we would be a people that would hold fast, having laid hold of the hope that is before us. My God, I pray that you would continue to work in our hearts. And I pray, Lord, for the world in which we live, for sinners that are not saved. We're still living in this time in which your God. Your wrath has not yet come, although it is coming, and your desire is to see men saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And so I pray that this message of the gospel this morning would be loud and clear to those. I ask this, that you would save, deliver, and heal. In Jesus' name. Amen.